Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cheese the Podcast. Today we will be doing something a little different. Today we've invited Dan Sims, CEO and founder of Rebel, a team that puts together food and wine festivals, including the Mole Cheese Festival. So the Mole Cheese Collective is a collective of cheesemakers across Australia, and this festival celebrates both cheeses and the cheesemakers. So without further ado, let's get started. So why why cheese? (laughs) We're all very indecisive people and we just, we were like, we kept overthinking the name, so we just chose cheese because we all like cheese. <laughs> Fair enough. It's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good excuse. It's a good, hey, look, we love cheese as well, so I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, our followers seem to be Instagram accounts that actually talk about cheese without knowing that we talk almost nothing about cheese. But yeah. Um, well, so to start us off, do you want to just do a quick introduction of yourself and why you decided to start a podcast? Yeah, well, I suppose you know, my name's uh, Dan Sims. You know, I'm, a, I'm actually Somalia by trade. So I've always worked in restaurants and hospitality. And uh, my, my, saying that, my last restaurant job was about 10 years ago uh, and I morphed into doing festivals. Uh, our major festival is called Pingo Palooza. Um, and of course, we set up a festival called Mold, which is a cheese festival. Um, and we set that up about three years ago in um, collaboration with Nick Haddo um, from Bruni Island Cheese Company uh, in Tasmania. And he came to me and said, Hey, let's do a cheese festival. I was like, Yep, absolutely, let's do it. Um, and then fast forward to today, uh, obviously, in the world of COVID and being a mass gathering business. Uh, we had to put the brakes on that, so to speak, and had to quickly pivot and change. So hence we uh, set up the Mold Cheese Collective, which was a way to help uh, cheese producers get their product to the people. Uh, and part of the result of that is setting up a podcast, uh, was to uh, basically tell their stories and amplify what they do. And that's the start of COVID. Um, where everyone was pivoting their business to adapt. One thing that we all here in the team wanted to do was if we are going to do something, we wanted it to be the core values of what the event was all about. And that was about connecting people to cheese producers. Uh, And so hence the collective is very much anchored in that. So it's all about getting great cheese to people and using our, I suppose, our skills and experience in the media side uh, to amplify their stories to our audience. Uh, so we play to our strengths and cheesemakers play to theirs, which is making delicious, incredible cheese. And so we come to something like the Cheese Podcast. Uh, it, it was literally, let's give it a crack. It can't be that hard. Uh, so we, well, I, um, we gave, it a, gave it a start and very much started doing what you're doing here of doing it over Zoom, recording it, and then figuring out their editing process and uploading it. And away we went. The rest, they say, is history. 
That's so cool. Um, so do you have like a favorite interview that you've done with a cheese producer? I think it's, it's hard to say if there's a favorite one. Um, they're all different and individual in their own right. Um, if anything with the, 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 the interviews that we've done is it's about trying to make them when they're relaxed and you have a really cool conversation, you get insights. It's like you're having a chat, really. Um, like the ones we did with um, Marla and Kel Gray from the Pines in Kaima, that was hilarious. They were just, they were so relaxed. Um, we literally just uploaded last night one with Joe Barrett, who's a chef in Oak Ridge, uh, and also making cheese. She's a phenomenal uh, human being, like just incredible. And he's so talented in so many different ways. And I found that really fascinating. But then I think every single conversation we've had with cheesemakers, there's always a there's always a story there, and all have uh, all, all are interesting in their own particular way. But it's it's hard to pick a favourite. It's like trying to pick your favourite cheese. It's, it's depending on the, depending on the mood you're in, each has their own merits. That kind of leads into our next question, which was do you have a favorite cheese? And this might be a little bit hard to answer, but if you really have to pick one, you know, you're on a deserted island and you only have this one type of cheese, what would you go for? Look, it is, it's a, you know, coming from a wine background, I get asked a lot, like, what's your favorite wine? And it's, it, it's a, it is a hard question. You know, desert island wines and things like that, or desert island cheeses. For me, it's about, it's as much about what is the, best occasion you can have rather than say necessarily the best one. So the best cheese is for me based upon occasion. Look, I love um, like those Gruyere styles of you know, semi-hard cheeses, uh, which are amazing, which I love because they go really well with biting, you know, wines and things like that. But it depends on where I am. I think it's that uh, curiosity around all of those things, with whether it be food or wine or any topic, that makes you want to come back for more and more. It's uh, if I had to choose, I mean, if you had to choose a desert island wine or desert island cheese, you'd get sick of it pretty quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but saying that, yes, uh, it's a Gruyere styles would be kind of my favourite. So our last episode, we talked about Biosphere 2. On September 26, 1999, 1991, um, eight scientists were sealed inside uh, a sealed bio for two years where um, no people air resources were supposed to go in or, in or out. And they had like their own farm. They had an ocean. They had a desert and a tropical rainforest. And in the biosphere, they harvested their crops and they tended to animals in order to make food for themselves. So if you were one of the biospherians and you had to be stuck in that biosphere for two years, what kind of cheese would you make or want to consume? Look, you know, just to clarify, I'm not a cheesemaker. I'm not a cheesemaker. So I, um, I would... <laughs> It'd be, it'd be very interesting, you know, that whole concept of being into something like a biosphere. It, it would depend upon what the animals were producing. And that's, and I'm basing that um, answer from conversations that I've had with actual 
cheesemakers, is saying that you you can have an idea about what you might want to do, but at the end of the day, it's what is the animal producing? What is the milk? Uh, what is what is the milk that you've got? And then what can you make as a result of that original product? Because I mean, cheesemaking is a relatively simple process of of milk uh, and rennet and, and, and then salt and aging, but it depends upon the, the final product. So if, and, and this comes back down to what was the animals being fed? I had a really great conversation with a cheesemaker, an organic um, cheesemaker yesterday, talking about how they move their farm off uh, feed uh, to pasture, uh, going from drought-stricken uh, rural Victoria uh, to Tasmania, now my southern state, which has a lot more rainfall. And the, the type of cheese and the milk that they were getting as a result was significantly different. So if in something like that, that biosphere would very much depend upon what, what are they eating? Are they eating grass? Are they eating grain? Um, what milk is being produced? So therefore, what cheese could you make? Yeah, based on what we had looked up, there wasn't too much specifically on the type of cheese that we ended up making, but they had goat milk, so they milked their own goats and yep. used that. And it was the whole process. One of their, um, one of the things that they ended up making was a pizza and it took them almost four whole months just to harvest all of that grain and then <laughs> make the cheese. Yeah, it was a, it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, definitely. I think again, something like that, you could make you know fresh curds and um, you, know, you know that fresh kind of cheeses would be great because they eat relatively fast to make. You wouldn't necessarily have to age it so fast. So that you know stretch cheeses, whether they're mozzarella or whatnot. Yeah, I can you imagine that would be something that's a little bit easier. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> so I have two questions. So the first one is: um, Have you ever tried cheese making? No, no. I tried winemaking once, and uh, I very quickly learnt that I like drinking it, uh, and uh, uh, I think I should specialise in specialise in that. Uh, and uh, whereas I like to play, <laughs> like play to my strengths, I think is that I'm certainly not a cheesemaker. I'm certainly not a winemaker. Uh, I would like to think of ourselves more of a, a bit of a champion and, uh, and facilitator. Uh, you know, let, let the people who do what they do best do what they do. And if anything, what we can do is, you know, with what we do with Revel here is, is amplify their story and get the help, get that word out there so more and more people can actually uh, have the opportunity to taste a truly great, amazing artisan cheese. And, and cheese making is something, yes, that you can do, you can literally do in your house, but the true artisan uh, cheesemaker it, it, it takes an incredible amount of time, effort, energy and patience and learning that, uh, frankly, I, I, I'm in admiration of all of the producers who you know, we talk with within our collective orbit because it, it, it's hard. Like it's, getting, it's milk, like <laughs> when we do our festival, as an example, we have to try and pick uh, times of the year that... Uh, that are less strenuous on the farmers because you know, cows, goats, and sheep do not milk themselves. 
<laughs> they, that they, they don't care that there's a festival on the weekend. Um, the, the farm still has to be, has to keep on going. So it's that, uh, he's a full, full-time commitment. And I, I think I would love to leave it to the professionals. Saying that, I wouldn't mind giving it a crack, but you know, I, I would, uh, <laughs> I'd be a bit concerned about the results <laughs> considering my wine making results. Great. I definitely think you should try it. Um, it sounds really fun. And I guess my next question is, I'm not really sure how to phrase this, but I will try my best. So I don't think I've ever really been to a cheese shop or there aren't very many like local cheese shops where I live. So I'm really curious mm. about um, if there's been a rise in cheese making in Australia or has this is there just like generally more local cheesemakers there or am I just blind to the fact that there are cheesemakers in my area and I'm not aware and I'm definitely going to search up after this um but yeah Australian cheese has never been better um and I can honestly say that Australia's making the best Australian cheese you know it ever has um but I think trend wise there there's a lot more focus especially now uh, in this COVID world, um, being that uh, an opportunity for people to purchase and support local small farmers. I think that's a really important thing. So I have no doubt that wherever your areas, there would be cheesemakers potentially, and it's a matter of seeking them out. Uh, the internet is a wonderful thing, uh, and uh, yeah, Instagram is a wonderful thing. It's, you know, you, you find people like yourselves. Uh, but I, I think people, it, it's a two-pronged thing, really. It's like people awareness of small artisan cheese producers is increasing uh, because their interest in artisan is increasing. But then also, at the same time, uh, Australian cheesemakers are getting better and better and better uh, because of, you know, before travelling, they go overseas and they get inspiration, they take that inspiration and bring it back to Australia and, and look to not, not replicate it, I think it's a really important thing to say, take inspiration for, say, somewhere like France and Italy and then apply those learnings to the environment in which they are producing. So, you know, Australia makes the best Australian cheese in the world, just as France makes the best French cheese in the world and so on and so forth. But also, I think, culinarily, uh, if you look at the maturity of a city's or country's uh, culinary appetite or that directly has a flow and effect to products that can be produced there. So if you look at whether it be you know, in Australia's food scene, uh, how restaurants become more avant-garde and look to push the boundaries and or go back to simplicity, it creates a an audience in the market for people to be curious about the product that is put on the plate. And then therefore that translates down the line to inspire, whether it be cheesemakers or winemakers, to make styles of wine that go with amazing different foods. So it's, it's a symbiotic relationship, I see. But I think anything, it's... It, whether it's cheese making or wine making or anything, it's, it's a constant journey. Like there's never, okay, this is it and this is how it should always be. It's always going to be a moving target, especially when you're dealing with agriculture. 
that's the thing with cheese or wine or anything. It, it's an agricultural product. Its flavour and style is very much determined by the environment. And let's face it, the environment is changing at the moment. And that will that will evolve and change. But getting back to your point of you know, searching for cheesemakers, I have no doubt that it's it's a case of if you're curious, that's the best thing. Go and seek and find out. Um, and that's that's one thing that we, we found uh, in Australia uh, while we set up the collective was because a lot of cheesemakers were selling into restaurants uh, and not really direct. And when restaurants stopped, they had no means to get their product to people. So that was allow us to sort of come in and help that. And if you solve the, you know, there's an interest in cheese and there's great cheese, you've just got to get the two together. And sometimes there's always barriers in between. Well, as we wrap this up, um, do you have any advice for us as you know um students who may be wanting to go on their own cheese journey any things that we should look out for in our local areas uh, um, i'll take i'll share some advice that was given to me uh, from my most recent podcast interview with joe barrett and when she was saying for and i asked her a very similar question you know if you're into cheese what do you need to do and she said very simply Eat cheese, uh, read, taste, explore, and just dive in. Uh, guess me, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, everyone's in ISO or anything, is find out as much as you can in your local area or search beyond. Find a really great cheesemonger, even if it's online, uh, and get a bit of a mixed bits of cheeses. Try something different, do some research, and just... And just to explore and be curious. That's, a, that's the best thing, is just be curious uh, and, and just go for it. Like, that's, that's the best thing about it. In the internet at the moment and accessing this world, we can get whatever we want delivered to our house. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so just explore. Just explore. All right. Thank you for joining us.